0: What a day. Anybody have a busy day? Amen. I need an assistant for myself. I need two of me. Well, that's a scary thought. I'm sorry, Kim. But uh, we're going to have like a little Thanksgiving time tonight. I have some people scheduled to share testimonies tonight if they wanted to. give some thanks, but I want to preach a Thanksgiving message because I usually do, at this time of year, take a little break from the study that we're in. And just take a, a, a night to remind all of us that we should be thankful. Amen? Yeah. Anybody thankful? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, if we're not thankful or we don't practice a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, hopefully this will be a reminder for us because Thanksgiving's not a one-day-a-year event. You know, on Black Friday, we can't kill each other and be miserable, but you got to still be thankful. All right. So uh, is Thanksgiving the way we observe it in America, a scriptural practice? <laughs> no, a <laughs> few people are brave enough to try that one and answer, but uh, I don't see anything in the Bible that says, you know, we have to do all the traditions and events and Things that we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, You know, so it's okay to ask ourselves, you know, tradition is okay. Uh, Things that we do culturally are okay, but they can never transcend the truth of God's word or replace what God's word says for us to do. Amen. So when you think about Thanksgiving, you think, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what a, a Western American Thanksgiving looks like. You know, they have Thanksgiving in Canada, but they have it on a different day. They had it already, right? See, if we were smart, we'd go up there and eat turkey then and come back down. It, was it last week? It was on Columbus Day. Okay, so wow, we have time to digest in between. That's going to be good. But here's a Western Thanksgiving, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's a yearly holiday that remembers the humble beginnings of our nation how we started off, amen? Now, some of you are just looking at me because maybe they didn't teach you this in school. You know, the new methodology is America's bad and Columbus was the devil and, you know, we don't own the land and we killed all the Indians and, you know, we don't focus on the humble beginnings of a nation that I believe God birthed. So it's a yearly holiday and it's time for us to remember some things, you know, about how we were born as a nation and the first who came here and how they sacrificed and what occurred. So it's a yearly holiday of remembrance, you know, it's a traditional day of feasting and you know there's no way around it it's all about turkey more turkeys are sold at this time of year the, the rest of the year they can't give turkeys away now you know people are fighting over turkeys we waited too too late so we got a really big turkey because that's all that was left so we're going to need a bigger oven so praise god But, you know, I mean, it's all about the food. It's all about the traditional meal. Turkey, stuffing, grandma's pumpkin pie and all the fixings. And God bless us. We're going to sit down and feast tomorrow and remember what God did for us. It's a family event, isn't it? Families get together, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, families are at the table together. Now, you know, maybe that is an exciting thing for some people. Maybe it's an uncomfortable thing for others. But it is a family time, and that's part of the tradition, amen? Uh, You know, we get around the table. And if you ever notice, one of the things that characterize the Thanksgiving Day feast is, let's be honest, gluttony. You know, we eat and we eat and we eat and and then we eat all this food and we, you know, in our house, we have appetizers, we have the pre-meal, then we have the meal, then we have the after meal, then we have dessert, then an ambulance shows up. <laughs> but it's overeating. It's a traditional feast. It's a time of feasting. Then it's followed by football. And then the next day, the materialistic mayhem of Black Friday. Only in America can we be thankful on one day and kill each other for TVs the next. (laughs) Come on, Wednesday night. Some of you, if you smile, some of your wrinkles will go away. Give it a try. So, that's kind of the tradition that we've got etched out in our culture right now. And, you know, there's nothing biblical about that per se. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's no biblical mandate that says we need to take one day a year uh, to do the above mentioned things and simultaneously be thankful for all our blessings. No, but we know that the scripture teaches us that we need to be a thankful people. So while our version of Thanksgiving is not biblical, being thankful and being a a person of Thanksgiving is definitely biblical and it's a scriptural Practice Jesus himself practiced thanksgiving. Think about it. Here's Jesus, fully God, fully man. What does he do in John 6 10 through 12? It says here, Jesus said to them, Have the people sit down. Now there were much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus is about to feed 5,000 people. So what does he do? Jesus then took the loaves and have given thanks. He distributed to those who were seated. So Jesus practiced thanksgiving. You might think, well, why does Jesus have to thank anybody? He's God. Is he thanking himself? He thanked his father. While he was on the earth and he had flesh on him, he subjected himself to the father and submitted himself to the father to the point where he didn't do anything on his own, but he only did what he saw the father doing. And he practiced thanksgiving as a model for us. We are to be thankful in all things. Jesus taught his followers to practice thanksgiving, Luke Twenty two, seventeen through 20. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourself. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you realize Thanksgiving is an integral part of the Lord's Supper? Jesus gave thanks, what, for the, for the bread, for the wine, and it was his own body, it was his own blood, yet he thanked the Father that he was in a position to offer himself for our sins so that redemption could come through the cross, amen? Come on now. Oh, you're thinking about your turkey already. <laughs> Tryptophan is kicking in. But thanksgiving is scriptural. Jesus practiced thanksgiving. He taught his disciples to practice thanksgiving. Now, the opposite of being thankful is being ungrateful. And I don't know about you. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be, you know, Debbie Downer, but we live in a pretty ungrateful world. Most people out there are like, well, what have you done for me lately? And most people are out there, well, you owe me. And a lot of people feel entitled, and entitled people are not grateful. Why? Because they figure you, you have to do something for them. You owe them something. You, you, you have to you know make up the lack or pick up the slack and, and somebody's got to do it for me. And so I'm not grateful, I'm ungrateful if I don't get what I want from everybody else. This should not be the heart of a Christian person who follows Jesus Christ. Ungratefulness is a really bad thing Uh, thing to have in the life of a believer. Ungratefulness is actually a sign uh, of the last day's culture. The fact that we have so much ungratefulness in our culture actually shows that Jesus is on his way. Uh, It says, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents. Listen, ungrateful and unholy. Ungratefulness is thrown in there with all of those sins that describe the last day's generation, the last day's culture. And, you know, God help us, but we've become very ungrateful as a people. And that can't creep into the church. It can't creep into our lives. You and I, as Christians, need to be the most thankful, grateful people on the face (laughs) of the earth. Amen. If Jesus never did anything for us but die for us and save us from hell for eternity, I don't know about you, but that's enough for me. And I'm grateful every day of my life. Amen. So ungratefulness is, you know, kind of the kryptonite to thanksgiving. And we have to be careful that that ungratefulness that's all in our culture doesn't creep into our lives. The truth is being thankful requires humility. Say humility. Being thankful requires humility, and because it requires humility, it is a rare character trait, because humility is a rare character trait. If I'm going to be thankful to somebody, that means I have to humble myself and, and, and admit the fact that, you know, I'm not an end to myself. I don't provide all my own needs. I, 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 don't, I don't give myself everything that I need. That there's other people who have blessed me, who have served me, who have loved me, who have nurtured me. Come on. See, the the arrogant person says, no, I'm a self-made man. I've done it all myself. I don't want anybody. I don't need anybody. I'm an island unto myself. Ungrateful, lacking thanksgiving. And this is not what God wants us to be as his people. He wants us to be humble enough to be thankful for all the blessings that we have. Now, Luke 17 uh, chronicles... A situation here where Jesus heals 10 lepers. And I want to read you Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'm just going to draw a couple conclusions from it. This should only take three or four hours, so hang in there. But it says this in Luke 17, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. Ten men with leprosy who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. But Jesus responded and said, were there not 10 that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. What a powerful story. Jesus graciously heals 10 lepers. They ask for mercy and and. you know, mercy is us getting what we don't deserve. Understand, when they cried out for mercy, they were basically saying, look, we, you know, they felt like the, the, the leprosy, the condition they had was judgment on their lives for sin, and their consciences were convicted, so they cry out for mercy because they're like, Jesus, we want you to heal us, not that we deserve it, but out of your mercy, would you heal us? These 10 outcasts, had rightly concluded that they couldn't demand a miracle from God, that they asked for mercy. Now, what's the right response when God gives us mercy and pours out his grace? The right response when God gives us mercy and pours out his grace, and grace is unmerited favor, means we don't deserve it. The right response is that we are thankful. God doesn't owe us, we're not entitled. The right response to God's mercy and us not getting what we deserve, receiving unmerited favor, is to be sincerely thankful for the grace of God. Think about all the mercy in your life. Think about all the grace in your life. It's grace that holds my life together, it's mercy that sustains my life. That God forgives me and cleanses me and overlooks my sin and forgives all my iniquities. Come on. I don't know if that don't make you thankful. Yeah, here's ten guys and they ask for mercy, and you know, Jesus just tells them, "Go show yourselves to the priest." Now we're gonna we're gonna take a look at this in just a minute, but uh, he tells them to do something, and you know. Every miracle is different, but these guys would have figured, well, maybe Jesus would lay hands on us. Maybe he'd sprinkle us with something. Maybe he'd say a nice prayer. No, he tells them to go and do something. And all of them listen and all of them go. And he said, why does he tell them to go to the priest? You know, the Jews didn't like when Jesus healed anybody. They're about to find something wrong with it. But he tells them to go because that's what the Old Testament prescribed. If you had leprosy and you were unclean, you had to be examined by a priest and pronounced clean. So he tells them to go to the priest. Why? So that their, their miracle could be verified. He tells them to go to the priest so the miracle could be documented. Once the priests see that these guys that everybody knows in town are lepers, they're outcasts, and he sees them, no leprosy, but now they're cleansed, now the miracle is documented. So he wants them to go to be verified, to be documented, and he wanted them to go so they could be pronounced clean and rejoin society. You see, they couldn't rejoin society until it had been verified and they were pronounced clean. So Jesus tells them to do something. On the way to do what they were told to do, all 10 of them went. W- they realized were healed. You know, leprosy, the open sores, the white skin, the the just the the literal, I don't want to be too graphic. It's, you know, it's before Thanksgiving, but the rotting stench of flesh. Ugh. It went away and their color came back, and the sores closed up, and they were healed to the point where all of them knew we were healed, we received mercy, we received a miracle, yet only one out of 10 turned back to say thank you. A lot of people say eight out of 10 ain't bad, but nobody says one out of 10 ain't bad because one out of 10 is bad, Only one came back out of 10. You know, and I love what Jesus does here in verse 17. He totally blows up the spot on them. He's like, oh, hey, it's good to see you, but where are the other nine guys? Weren't 10 healed? Jesus knew the answer to the question, where are the other nine? I love it. Jesus isn't shy about asking where the other nine went who were healed. Why? Let's not kid ourselves. God notices, Jesus notices when we're not grateful. And the Holy Spirit will convict us. And that's God's way of calling us out. Jesus is calling out nine guys. Where are they? Weren't 10 healed? Why why are only you here? It's an interesting situation. Understand, God looks at our hearts and he knows if we're grateful or if we're ungrateful. He knows if we're thankful for all the mercy, all the blessing, all the grace, all the second chances. He's looking for people who are thankful so it can pour out blessings upon them. Let's not kid ourselves. God knows when we're ungrateful, when we can't be bothered to even thank him for our blessings. At that Thanksgiving day tomorrow, don't be thankful for a pile of food. Be thankful for the grace of God in your life that saved all of us from our sin, amen? Be thankful for the people around the table. Come on, even those annoying relatives, be thankful. When they're gone, you'll miss them. You'll miss hearing the same old stories again. My grandfather used to tell the same stories over and over, sometimes the same story twice at one meal. But we miss him. Be thankful for the people that are around the table, the blessings, the grace, the mercy, the gift of salvation that's evident in our hearts. Verse 18, Jesus throws a jab at the religious crowd here as we conclude this. He says... Only this foreigner, only this Samaritan returned? What's that? That's a jab at the religious crowd. Why? Because to the religious, self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were only half Jewish. And so they were sinners and they were lowly and they, they they were not even to be fellowshiped with. They wouldn't even eat with them. And the Jews' eyes, these guys were the worst. Yeah, but only the person who was supposed to have no moral character or no uh, spiritual standing, returns, falls down, and worships. Jesus takes a jab there. God help us when the least grateful people are God's people. That's what he was saying. You, you guys know the law, you know the commandments, you know the prophets, you know you're supposed to be the spiritual leaders, yet, you know, only a Samaritan comes back to say thank you and God help us when the least grateful people are God's people. We need to be a people who practice thanksgiving. If you and I ever get to the place where we have the, hey God, what have you done lately for me attitude? We need to repent and ask God to circumcise our hearts so that once again, we can be grateful and we can be thankful for all the blessings. I know you got problems. I know you got troubles. I know some days you have real bad days because I do too. But we should always practice Thanksgiving, not just tomorrow, not just once a year, but every day because of what the Lord has done. I'm gonna close with a scripture and then we're gonna have some testimonies. Colossians 3, 14 through 16 Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you tonight for this little reminder of what it means to be thankful. I thank you, Lord, tonight that we are your people. And God, help us if the least grateful people are God's people. So help us to practice thanksgiving. Help us to be grateful for all the grace and the mercy and your goodness in our lives, for all the blessings you have given us, not just the material things, Lord God, but all your provision and all the people that we enjoy every day thank you, God. You're a good God, and you've been so good to us. With grateful hearts, we say thank you. Tonight, we're going to have some people come. Kim, can you bring me the mic? And we're just going to allow people to share some Thanksgiving testimonies. And uh, the only rule is you can't say you're thankful for your pastor, because that's not creative. (laughs) So I'm going to call my brother from another mother, Tim Miller, to be first.
1: Hello there. So, to prepare for this, I was looking up my family tree and I found out I was the sap. There you go. Anyway, I was reading the word today and I found out who the biggest rule breaker in the Bible was. Do you know who it was? It was Moses. He broke all Ten Commandments. Yeah? Okay. So... Candy reached out to me. She asked me if I'd be willing to come up here, and I said, sure. How much time do I have? She said two minutes. Then she texted me back, said three minutes, so I'm thankful for the third minute. That'll help me. What the Holy Spirit said to me was, such a time as this, and I'm going to take you back to when I was about four years old, and I fell into a pool and almost drowned, right? And I can see, I can remember it like it was yesterday, and I'm looking up. And I could see my cousins and my brother looking down at me. And I could see my brother measuring the room because we shared a room. And I knew he wanted his own room. And uh, my father had dove from a balcony into the pool and and pulled me out. But I knew, uh, not at that time, but later on through an enlightenment, that was all God. He had his hand on me from a very young age. So now fast forward to age six, there was five of us in our family And we came back from an event. My mother grabbed two kids. My father grabbed two kids, middle of the winter, and they left me in the car all night. So probably should have froze, but I didn't, scared to death. But once again, God's covering was on me. Amen. Right? Age uh, 12, my father crashed into a tree head on, no seatbelts. I should have went through the windshield. God's hand was on me for such a time as this. I think about... On my current job, I work a very dangerous job. How many times I should have died already, and God's hand was on me. So those are the good things, and the better things are for such a time as this, and I'm trying to speak to someone in particular tonight. I don't know who it is, but maybe you've messed up. Maybe when I was 14, I remember sitting in a Lutheran church, and the pastor got up, and he gave his sermon, and he talked about how you get saved, right? And I don't even think he understood it. But he was regurgitating what he read in God's Bible. By the way, Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed. Okay, that's one interpretation, meaning this book is alive and active. It's not just words and pages. So, and that's not my book, but it's the pastor's book who I'm thankful for. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and and I'll, I'll be quick. So, I remember him saying that, and I remember, yeah, I, I knew I was filthy rags and I remember praying the sinner's prayer in my bedroom by myself, right? So that's age 14. So from age 14 till I went into the military, I never got fed. But then God sent me a friend, and I could tell just by the way he behaved, he was a Christian. He never had to tell me. So if you think that your behavior doesn't matter, it does, okay? So I started to go to church and uh, in South Carolina, got involved in the ministry because God gave me a servant's heart. I'm not content with just sitting in seats. I'm have to be involved, I have to be serving my God, because I count it as a privilege, that he allows me to serve. So, got out of the military, once again fell away, but God's hand was still on me. This is what I'm thankful for, because he never, we sang a song tonight about his mercies and how they're never ending, and it's so true. No matter how many times I sinned or, or fell away, he never let go of me, he ran after me. And it should have been me running after him, So now, after a failed relationship, I was back in church in Farmingdale, out in Long Island, serving the Lord, and in 2001, met my bride, right? So a tip to you young fellows out there, don't tell your future bride you love her on date two, because it's gonna scare her away, okay? Uh, But I knew after date one she was going to be my bride and that is probably next to salvation the greatest gift God ever gave me right there Very thankful for my marriage if you haven't met my wife you're missing out you need to meet her She is a godly influence on those around her. She is uh, Just you you can't help but to love her after you meet her so after that uh, I get a job with state police, we move up here, and we're trying to find our way, and then God blessed us again. I love Miami. I love her more than life itself. And she is what made us a family. When she was born, that was one of the greatest moments of my life, so uh, I'm sorry to get it all worked up, but I love that kid, and she's a good kid. So then two years later, we get my Grace, and I love that kid too. And um, what was great about Grace, and we have an unspoken bond, is we're both middle kids. So I get where she's coming from. The oldest gets to do everything first, the youngest gets babied, the middle kid gets left out, right? Like I did in the car, yeah, (laughs) all night long. So, and the one cool thing about Gracie, well, first of all, all my kids serve in the church. And uh, it's not because I forced them to, they want to. Gracie was on time. Uh, to the minute, like when she was born on time to the minute, I won't say her weight. Uh, she was the champion up until this past Sunday, uh, this past Saturday when my great nephew was born and, uh, he beat her out, but she's a great kid. She's got a heart of gold and, uh, her friends get better than they deserve with her. So, and then thank you. And I'm thankful for that in 2011, I got my boy and, uh, You know, in between that, we lost one, right? But God still had his hand on us. And I remember um, we were distraught. A pastor said, you got one in heaven already. So that was uh, a big encouragement. So um, that's the family aspect of what I'm thankful for. And I know I've gone over my two minutes, but this is important because at such a time as this, no matter how many times I messed up, God still pulled me right back in. And he enabled me to be used and he fed me. And if not for the remnant, and I say remnant because the population that comes to this church is nothing compared to the population in this country. So we are God's remnant. We're his holy remnant, his holy representation to the people of this area. And uh, in 2002, we were attending a different church and not a bad church. We don't church hop, first of all. We we go where God plants us. And uh, we we tried to get involved and the church was so big, we couldn't get involved. We couldn't get plugged in. We tried. We, we went every which way and we, we prayed, and we drove down the road, and we saw the sign out front. Uh, and back then, I believe it said um, Full Gospel Family Life Center. And we pulled in, and Pastor Rick was the first person we met. And um, this is all God's doing. We got plugged in. That was 20 years ago, and in some circles were proverbial newbies compared to some of the people that have been here a long time. But 20 years, I think, is a good long time. And we've been blessed to be allowed to serve. I mean, I love serving your kids. I see what the devil's hand on our kids in this nation does. And I love to be a part of back there and helping your kids and feeding them in the word, and I'm very thankful for that. And I'm I'm thankful for the men in this church that rub shoulders with me and rub uh, iron sharpens iron, and we build each other up. Uh, and I wouldn't know half of what I know in ministry or with the word, if not for the men who break it down because I'm dumb, they can break it down and make it easy to understand. And the word that gets preached from here, whether it's Pastor Rick, Pastor Mike, Pastor Frank, Jay, it's coming from a place not of look at me, look how great I am, but a place where the Holy Spirit ministers through them. And they are humble enough to allow that to happen. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. So, um, I'll close with this because uh, I could go on for hours. Um, yeah, it's but I, I love to just say uh, if you've struggled, you're not alone. But you also will never be alone because God's hand will eternally be on you as long as you have the wherewithal to at least just turn around and say, I'm sorry, and go back. And you can go back. I'm not condoning falling away a hundred times, but Jesus said it himself, how many times should I forgive Seven, Peter says, no, seventy seven. Jesus saying unlimited forgiveness. It's not a license to sin, but we're human. We're flesh. We mess up and it's okay. So that's the things that I'm thankful for. Sorry that I droned on, but I hope that someone takes that to heart tonight and says, Hey, that's me too. So I'm glad you said that. Thank you.
0: Pat Whalen?
2: Said, Oops. Oh. I get up. always wanted to preach. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, happy Thanksgiving. And um, tonight is a special night because tonight is, or today, is Mike's and my 54th wedding anniversary. Ah. <laughs> and i I am very thankful and grateful for him. We actually met in preschool, if you want to believe that. But we didn't. We really didn't. When I was 17, I actually prayed that God would give me a date for New Year's Eve. And I met Mike in November. And he not only gave me a date for New Year's Eve, he gave me a date for life. Amen. (laughs) And when I met Mike, one of the first things he wanted me to do was meet his parents. And um, his dad liked me, but he said I was too quiet, and I didn't talk enough. So the next time I met him, I talked, and I talked, and I talked, and I've been continuing talking. So if you think I talk too much, don't blame me. Blame his father. Anyway, we dated for quite a while, and then Mike was in the Air Force, and we wanted to get married. And my mother said, you don't have two nickels to rub together, but we didn't care. It didn't matter. We loved each other and we wanted to be together. And so my mother gave us a nice wedding and uh, we wanted a honeymoon, but we couldn't afford one. And he was stationed in South Dakota. So we decided, okay, we'll stop in Colorado for a couple of days and then we'll head to his base. Well, I think we used every bit of money that was given to us at the wedding for our rent-a-car, our motels, our dinner. And it was Thanksgiving Day, and I was feeling really homesick because it was the first time I was away from home on a holiday. And Mike was frantically trying to find a restaurant so we could have a Thanksgiving dinner, and we couldn't because people didn't eat in restaurants back in those days; they ate home. So we saw a barn and grill, and I thought, well, a grill—you got to get maybe hamburgers and and uh, fries. What the heck? We'll start a new trend. So we went into the barn and grill, and we sat at the <coughs> bar. And the owner came out and she wanted to know our story. And we told her that we were a couple that just got married, newlyweds. I was very homesick and we were just looking for a place to eat. With that, she went into the kitchen and she came back out. And apparently they were having their Thanksgiving dinner. And she brought Mike and I two big plates with turkey and stuffing and cranberry and never charged us a dime. And I'm going to tell you, tomorrow we'll be with our boys and their wives and their grandchildren, our grandchildren, and I don't take that for granted. But Mike and I have reminisced over our first Thanksgiving, and by far it was the most memorable and actually the best Thanksgiving for, a, for God to put on the heart of a stranger, uh, a bar owner, that she ministered to two um, homesick newlyweds who truly didn't have two nickels to rub together. And I thank God for that, and I thank God for the man that he sent into my life.
0: You're welcome. Tom Holmes? There he is. Come on, clap for Tom as he
3: I brought my notes so I could stay on track. So, um, Rosemary and I have two sons. And my younger son was a, a, um, uh, he had turned away from the Lord, although they were both raised in the Lord. And um, he also, um, uh, recently, however, he recently came back to the Lord, but he did not come back to the church. So around two weeks ago, uh, Josh, my son Josh, ended up in the hospital. He was seri- had seriously high uh, blood pressure and um, they were and t- tremendous headaches. so they were thinking it could be stroke. So they did the test and things like that. so they found out that that was negative. But they gave him a, um, a uh, diagnosis of cluster uh, headaches. Cluster headaches are also called suicide headaches because the severity of the pain is so strong that people who have had that have felt that suicide would be a way out. So he'd been walking around daily with these headaches. So last Tuesday, while he was visiting my, his older brother, uh, my son Tim, um, he was uh, got one of these headaches, and he was walking around, pacing, and uh, had his hands on his head, and he was really killing him. So my son Tim said, "Can I pray for you?" And he said, "Okay, of course." So uh, Tim prayed for Josh, and he prayed again, and he prayed again, and nothing really happened. Then he shared with him. He said, "You know, I had a dream last night, and I was pray, and in my dream, I was praying for you to deliver you from an evil spirit." And there was an interesting thing. He said that we were, to po- we were in- needed to look into each other's eyes. So can I pray for you? So Josh says, yes, you could pray. So, uh, so he prayed for him in that way, and they locked eyes. And as soon as they locked eyes, the pain in Josh's head got worse, and it started to move around. And um, so he took it, he looked away, and the pain got better. But then they looked ag- They par- prayed again, and he looked him straight in the eyes, and the pain got worse again. And then, suddenly, it lifted. And the despair that he had been feeling lifted, and he felt joy coming into his heart. And at the same time, uh, Tim's wife, who was sitting on the other side of the room, felt a swoosh run right across and brush her face at the same time. So he was actually, uh, it was a prayer of deliverance. And you know, that took place last Tuesday. And ever since then, he has had no headaches. It gets better. And on Sunday, he went to church. And after church, he came home to, to, my, to our home and he told me the whole account and he said he had such a great time at church. He ran into all his old friends and they had a great time of fellowship and he's like a, he's like a new person. He said, all of that despair is gone. Thank you. Awesome. And I'm thankful.
0: Gettner. <laughs> yes. There's Tommy. We yeah, had back-to-back Toms
4: so tim just told me he's going to keep the clock no surprise (laughs) after that sermon so sunday candy Candy sends me a text and uh she says oh pastor wants to know if you could say a few words a little bit of a testimony and i said she says a brief testimony and i wrote back uh what's the time frame about an hour i mean because i'm thinking "Geez, 22 years saved i got a lot to say and she says no 1 to 3 minutes so the holy spirit really talks to me when i cut the grass on monday i'm cutting the grass and he says you only have to say these four words and what are they he goes i close with this <laughs> nobody gets it my <laughs> pastor got it anyway i you know so for the last 3 days i've been Praying and contemplating and meditating about what I wanted to say. And, you know, I was going to talk about a lot of the things Tim did about how God gave me a great wife through a miracle. Um, How he took, turned around, you know, the late 90s were terrible for me because of terrible relationships. My job was horrendous. And how he took that and turned it all around. Gave me a healing miracle. But then tonight... Uh, We did the worship song, um, The Goodness of God. And he had been speaking to me about these two specific things because I struggled with that worship song. Because it says, all my life you have been so, so faithful. But Tim, you had the same experience that I did. Uh, He brought to mind two instances. And I hope there's no young drivers in here. So my first two years of college, I went to the University of Dayton in Ohio. And I was one of the only guys with a car. And it was back then, because it was 55-mile-hour speed limits, it was a 12-hour drive. So there were five doormates that we would, whenever we could, we'd jump in my car and drive home. And this one particular weekend, it was about 4 o'clock in the morning, I had dropped everybody else off. And I'm coming north on a Taconic Parkway just by the Croton Bridge, and I'm doing about 100-and-something miles an hour because there's nobody else on the road and if you've been on that part of the road there's a dip in the road and it goes to a little curve and all of a sudden I'm airborne going right at the that big concrete pillar and the next thing i remember i'm in the lane going north never had an accident and i i didn't i don't equate that i didn't equate that with god until recently especially during that worship song and then another instance, uh, I was a volunteer fireman down there. And one night we got a call for a fully involved house fire, which happened to be right around the corner from my house. So I had all my gear in the car. I, I'm the first one there. I get dressed out. I wait for the fire engine to show up. It gets there. I threw a Scott pack on, grab the first line to go to the house. And, you know, we were going to go through the front door. And this other guy comes up. And he is trying to force me through the front door. And I could feel, don't do that, don't do that. And he kept yelling, don't be a chicken, don't be a chicken. chicken." So I stood my ground. After several hours, he put the fire out. Lo and behold, had he or I followed his push, there was no floor. It was eight feet to to the basement of that house. So that was a hand of God. That was upon me before I was even saved because he has a plan and a purpose. And I was gonna talk about how he took an arrogant, prideful, cocky 23 year old joining the, the police force, and with his grace and the potter's wheel changing me into the person who I could, I would never, five years ago, I would never stand up here doing this. I could never talk to anybody and have the grace of being allowed the privilege of preaching a message here a year ago on a Wednesday night. I mean, what he's done with me is a miracle. It's, I'm so grateful for that. But the last story I want to share with you is, uh, it's not really my testimony, but you know, I did benefit somewhat from it. Um, two months ago, my wife lost her father on her birthday, and we've been regaling stories and talking about things. And last week, Sister Kim brought a word about bold prayer and, you know, thankfulness If after you give the prayer. So she related a story as she was a new believer, and she and a friend of hers were going out to uh, Missouri to visit this girl's brother who was in the Air Force. And while they were they were out there, they went to a church service. And during the church service, she answered a prayer call and just went up. Now, she described him as an old man, but, you know, <laughs> anyway, the point of the story was she relayed her, let me back up, excuse me. So her dad was an alcoholic. With everything that goes along with that, it was a very bad period period of her life. She was estranged from her father. uh, Terrible things going on in the house and everything. So when she went up to this man, she told him the story. And when she finished, he began to pray these bold, decreeing, loud prayers. That night when, those, when she and her friend went back to the brother's house uh, in Missouri after the church service, the brother said, hey, your dad called. This was in the 80s. There was no internet. There was no way to Google somebody's phone number on the phone. And that was a miracle response to her prayer. And even further, when they went home, Liz attended this girl's church for a a prayer meeting one night. Her dad went with her and answered an altar call. And even though there was a host of other things that go along with the ism side of the alcohol, he didn't drink after that. So an an amazing story about the faithfulness about bold prayers. So I went over my time, but no, no, I got nothing. I, I know there's somebody else that has to speak, but I am exceptionally grateful for all the gifts that God has given me from the miracle of my wife to the things he did on my job that if I had the time to tell you about, it was just, there's no way it was anything but the hand of God. And being in this church family, which again is because of my wife, because she passed here and we were going to another church. He said, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me we should go there. And I said, yeah, no, because I love the church that we're at. And I'll never forget the, the, the message that Pastor Rick preached, and I said, oh, man, I have to sit under that man because it was before a big election in this country. And he stood right here, and he said, quote, because I remember it, I don't care who you vote for, but whoever you vote for better believe what's written in this book. And I said, wow, the pastor I sit under now would probably never say that. So I am grateful. Everything here, I get the privilege of serving in this church. I love my church family. I'm just abundantly grateful. Thank you.
0: Rosemary. She might prophesy when she gets up here.
5: (laughs) So my Thanksgiving testimony is I'm thankful to God for having a sound mind that's controlled by the Holy Spirit. When Pastor Rick spoke about the occult a few weeks back, this testimony came to mind. When I was younger, before I was saved, I agreed to allow my dentist to hypnotize me. And we both thought it would be a fun experiment. So my dentist put the suggestion into my mind that when he said the word peanuts, that my right thumb would begin to twitch. And sure enough, when he spoke the word peanuts, my right thumb twitched uncontrollably. We laughed, I didn't give it much thought. But a few years later, I got saved. And to my surprise and my dismay, I found that when I would hold hands with another believer to pray, my right thumb twitched uncontrollably. Needless to say, I found this very disturbing, but I had no control over it. Some time went on and the manifestation did not go away. So Tom and I attended a church meeting where a prophet friend of ours was ministering. And he opened up the meeting saying that he was going to speak on a topic, but then he felt impressed by the Lord to speak instead about the occult. And after he spoke, he asked if anybody had perhaps dabbled in the occult to come up for prayer to be set free. I went up and I explained to him that, Some years back, I allowed my dentist to hypnotize me and he put a suggestion into my mind that caused my right thumb to twitch when I prayed. And um, so the minister prayed for me to set me free and I'm happy to say that my thumb never twitched again. So I, I believe I was set free from a demonic spirit that entered me through hypnosis. And mind mind control is a very serious thing. Thank you.
0: Amen. I'm going to open it up. Is there anyone that would like to share? Oh, everybody's on the spot. I walk really slow to the pulpit. You coming?
6: Okay, so I just want to say thank you all for just being in my life and just sharing your lives with me. I love you all. Um, this, uh, for my birthday, the, uh, the Saturday before my birthday, my car broke down. And, um, you know, it was the start of, oh, gosh, i got to you know, get a car. Or I'm going to get this fixed, blah, blah, blah. I ended up, the Lord blessed me. I got a new car. I'm driving to work on my birthday, and I get a call, and it it was my mother had passed away. Um, But the Lord had prepared me months before. um, I got a chance to see my mother before she passed away. She was an alcoholic and was mentally ill and had a a, a lot of issues. Um, I was in and out of foster homes as a child, but um, like Tim said, um, God's hand was always on me. Always, always. And, um, when I got that call, um, it was, it was a peace that I, I don't think I've ever felt, but uh, I just felt such peace when I shouldn't have felt peace. And I knew at that moment that God's hand was, was right over me. And, um, I just, God is good. Whatever happens, um, God is good all the time. He's good and just thankful for, for him in my life. And that, um, you know, One day I'll get to see her again because she did accept the Lord. So, um, yeah. So that's what I'm thankful for.
7: (laughs) Good evening. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I am thankful to God for his moving. I'm thankful for him using us. To reach others um, a couple weeks ago pastor preached a message and he I remember him speaking and he really kind of entreat entreated us to you know not be content with just being saved but to have a yearning for lost souls right we should actively be seeking to spread the gospel spread the word And to reach the loss. And I remember ever since that, it's not like, you know, I don't know that. (laughs) or I didn't know that. But I remember ever since that message, I've been intentionally praying to God to open up my eyes. To give me the discernment that when he presents those opportunities, that I would be able to recognize it and take hold and do his will. We've been praying that intentionally as a family during our morning devotion, and thank be to God, he has been presenting those opportunities to the point where a family friend who, he was saved as a child, he grew up in the church, and because of how he was treated in the church, he stepped away from God. And my wife's sister, who grew up in the church, she stepped away from God, making horrible choices, horrible decisions. And the opportunities were placed in front of us to where we saw that we took hold. Right now, God is working on him, the family friend, and he's using us to help him restore that relationship with God, right? He is calling us. He's reaching out. He's literally said to us that he feels like he has no one to turn to. And at times when, you know, his mind is battling, he needs someone to pray with. He's calling us, right? Which, thank God for that, right? Now, he's in Georgia. My wife's sister's in Georgia. Now, mind you, when I said bad decisions, they're making bad decisions together. The key thing that he said as he's restoring this relationship with God, he's not leaving her behind. Thank God. Thank God. Every day since intentionally starting to pray that prayer, I can see God opening doors. Even at you know, at work, I'm having conversations with sinners about the Bible that would never have happened, (laughs) right, you know, you know, just a word, just a word or a phrase can be passed, and that opens a whole discussion to the point where they're sitting in my office and we're having an hour-long conversation about, as part of scripture, and they're being called for a job or responsibility they're supposed to be doing because, but because the Bible has been open to them and is so, you know, so you know, important at that moment, they're just, you know, interesting. They're willing to sit there and have that conversation, go back and challenge, and you know, thank God for His Word. Study His Word know his word when you're asked when we're asked when we're challenged on his word he wants us to know his word so that we can help someone reach to him right we can make it interesting we can make it come alive his word has all the answers and this world this world is empty this world is empty it's flashy it's flashy feels intriguing, but we know it is empty right but we know who has the answers and we need to be able to you know relate that we need to be able to make that interesting and i thank god for him allowing that for him you know giving that revelation us praying that prayer and him opening up these opportunities so that's what i'm thankful for today He's restoring a relationship with a lost brother and he is working on a lost sister and he's opening up other doors. God bless you.